Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader. You ever meet someone who seems kind of off? Whether it's a creepy neighbor or a random phone number that keeps calling you, Truthfinder has you covered. You can search for people by name, address, phone number, email, and more. Truthfinder can be especially helpful for running confidential background checks on anyone you're planning to meet from online dating apps. Go to truthfinder.com slash podcasts for a special offer. That's truthfinder.com slash podcasts to access your special offer today. Welcome to True Crime Garage. Wherever you are, whatever you are doing, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and with me, as always, is a man that has 20-20 hearing. He is the captain. What? It's good to be seen, and it's good to see you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. Today, we are drinking Codebreaker by the beautiful minds over at the Dayton Beer Company. Garage grade, three and three-quarter bottle caps out of five. Codebreaker is a no-funny-business imperial double IPA, super strong and hoppy, and with an ABV of almost 10%. I don't think you'll be breaking any codes, but you might be speaking in code. And Codebreaker was brought to us by these beautiful minds. First up, we have Lisa in Los Angeles, California. I think it's pronounced Wooster. A big shout-out to Stephanie in Greenville, South Carolina. And a high five goes out to my man Richie in Meridian, Idaho. And a low five goes out to Claire in Littleton, Colorado. Next up, a long-distance cheers to Trevor and Deanna in Diamond Creek, Australia. And last but not least, a Texas cheers to our friend Tina down in the Austin area. And thanks to everybody for filling up the beer fridge this week. And if you'd like to donate to the beer fund, you can do so at truecrimegarage.com. Click on the donate banner. And if you would like to support the show and tell your friends about the show, you can do so by picking up one of our cool t-shirts on the store page at truecrimegarage.com. Yeah, we got Team Nick shirts. We have Team Captain shirts. We have a bunch of logo shirts. We have the Douche Canoe shirts. Got a lot of shirts going on over there. And got a surprise shirt coming out pretty soon. So look forward to that. All right, Captain, that's enough of the shirt business. Everybody gather around, grab a chair, grab a beer. Let's talk some true crime. Breaking written codes is an art whose history dates back as long as people could write and wanted to keep secrets. In the age of computers and advanced technologies, it's hard to imagine such expertise is still needed. The FBI would tell you differently. 
because breaking codes is the FBI's cryptanalysts and racketeering records unit's unique specialty. Despite the use of state-of-the-art computer technology to gather intelligence, examine evidence, and help solve crimes, the need to manually break pen and paper codes remains a valuable and necessary weapon in the FBI's investigative arsenal. According to the FBI, criminals' use of codes, ciphers, and concealed messages are abundant. Terrorists, gang members, inmates, drug dealers, violent loan offenders, and organized crime groups use letters, numbers, symbols, and even invisible ink to encode messages and attempt to hide illegal activity. 41-year-old Ricky McCormick was murdered in June of 1999. His body was discovered just days after he was last seen. When police were called to the scene, they found Ricky's body lying face down in the grass in an area between a country road and a cornfield. Homicide detectives searched the 41-year-old victim's pockets for clues regarding the victim's identity and leads on where he could have been just before his murder. They found some things in the man's pockets. One item was a ticket for an emergency room where he had visited shortly before his death. And they also found two pages of notes. On these pages were lengthy messages. These were written in some strange code. The detectives passed these coded pages to the FBI. And after examining the documents, the FBI concluded that these ciphers could say who killed Ricky McCormick. Years passed, and then one day everything changed. When the FBI released the two coded pages to the public, and asked you to help solve an open murder case. Despite extensive work by the FBI, the meaning of those two coded notes remain a mystery to this day, and Ricky McCormick's murderer is yet to face justice. In fact, Ricky McCormick's encrypted notes are one of the CRRU's top unsolved cases. According to the FBI, breaking the code could reveal the victim's whereabouts before his death and could lead to the solution of a homicide. This is the story of the McCormick Code. In March of 2011, FBI officials made a rare and a remarkable revelation. This coming seemingly out of the blue. Dan Olson, he's the chief of the Bureau's Cryptanalyst Racketeering Records Unit. We'll call that the CRRU in Quantico, Virginia. He disclosed for the first time the existence of two pages of handwritten encrypted notes found stuffed in the pockets of McCormick's jeans. Now, unable to decipher the tangle of letters and numbers, the FBI released copies of this to the public with a plea for assistance to hardcore puzzle solvers and wannabe sleuths to help them solve this code and maybe potentially solve the murder of Ricky McCormick. And let's just get the, you know, the elephant in the room 
Let's uh, punch him in the face. The elephant in the garage. You're gonna yeah. you're gonna abuse the elephant that I brought with me. No, I'm not. Go ahead. I'm a bunch of PETA people are gonna write me now. Um, no. So I find the fact that they found these notes on Ricky, and they were not reported to the family immediately, mm-hmm. and they had to wait till twelve years later to discuss these with the family. I feel that that's very irresponsible. Okay. So let's talk about his family a little bit because, and I agree with you. Let's, let's say we can, we can definitely say that they've never seen them. The family never saw these encrypted notes. We'll call them right until 12 years later. Actually, they said they didn't know anything about this until they saw on their local news channel that these, ciphers had been released to the public they they had no knowledge of this at all yeah it was not reported to the family everything that was found on him was reported to the family except for these two notes yes so here's here's what i wonder about though um we know that the police held these notes for two years before they gave them to the fbi Mm -hmm. couple things i wonder if if the police that they held these items one because they were just found on his body, but two, maybe they assumed they, that they were either nothing or it was a clue that they were working. And when they questioned his family, you know, cause we have his family saying, no, he, he didn't write in code. Ricky didn't write in code. He barely read. He barely could write. Right. He couldn't spell anything. And so I'm wondering if police ask questions to the family and they say, yeah, he never wrote anything in code. He, he could barely write. He could barely read mm-hmm. that the police go, well, they don't know anything about this. This is something we're going to keep to ourselves. Yeah, but we have a double edged sword here because we have some people in his family that say, nope, he, could, he couldn't read or write. The only thing he could write was his name. And then you have other people in his family that come out and said, oh, yeah, he would uh, jot down these random things all the time mm-hmm. and carry them around with him. And it was just like his own language. And I wonder, Captain, if it was only after two years, it looks to me, you know, people, some people even debate whether this is a homicide or not. Mm-hmm. And we debated that certainly in the first episode. But to me, what I see, I see investigators treating this as a homicide investigation. Right. I see them working this as a homicide investigation. I wonder if after two years when they couldn't, couldn't put a case together to put somebody in court. Right. That at that point they go, well, let's pass these notes along to somebody that can do something with them. We've run out of, we've run out of ideas. We're banging our head against the wall here. Let's give this to some, some legit code crackers. Right. Send it to the FBI. The FBI, they have it for the next 10 years before they release it to the public. And it's only after the FBI says, look, we've spent hundreds and hundreds of hours trying to crack this code. We can't crack it. Yeah. And what the FBI would tell us is that we, the FBI, firmly believes it is some type of code. But what they can't tell us is how to solve it. Yeah, and they're not even really giving us any clues or any leads of of what they believe. And I think maybe that's just because they want to release the code and have whoever that possibly could solve this just look at it with fresh eyes. Mm -hmm. And so they're not going to say, well, we think this means this or this means this. Um, But they've done this in the past They with the Zodiac and and other cases where they have released uh, information 
to the public and the public has been able to solve something that they couldn't. Right. So do you, do you want to describe, give us a brief description of these, uh, codes, let's call them the McCormick code is what I've been calling it. Uh, I, I don't even know how to describe it, but we'll put, uh, both of these up uh, on all social media platforms, but also at www.truecrimegarage.com. Now let's talk about code breaking for a little bit. Okay. So the FBI code breakers, they say that they typically unlock the meanings of ciphers that they receive in a matter of hours. Mm -hmm. Now, the codes from Ricky McCormick, the notes found on Ricky McCormick, they they had these for over a decade. And they worked them. They brought in other people. Um, they did everything they could to try to attempt to break these codes, breaking them down manually with graph paper and pencil at first. Uh, Dan Olson himself, he dissected the strings of letters and numbers on whiteboards uh, he then employed computers with state-of-the-art software to perform statistical analysis of these notes, and they still came up with nothing. Now, what what the FBI would tell us is this, that it doesn't happen very often that they get an unsolved cipher of this length, is what they're stating. This length, I think, is key here. Now, the FBI says that the characters are not random. They firmly believe this is a code, stating things like there are many E's, for an example, the letter E, that could be used as space as a spacer rather than an actual meaning or a letter or a number. Right, meaning that there's sometimes it could be one number that is used as a spacer, one letter, or a series of numbers or a series of letters that somebody could use as a breaking point, right? So you could uh, essentially say the captain writes a cipher and every time you see C-A-P, that, that actually means space. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they would go on to explain that there are many characteristics in these notes that suggest it could be solved. They state there are patterns that they see within these messages. But obviously the problem is they just don't know why it's not solvable. Right. The FBI's website also, it takes us through some of the workings on how to crack codes. Um, it's stating that cracking a code takes four steps. First, one must determine the language used. In this case, it's English. Then the system that is used, a cipher in which letters are transposed or substituted for something else. For example, or a code in, in which a letter such as R represents a person or a place. Or perhaps even some kind of secret language such as like a like a version of Pig Latin. Now, after that, one must reconstruct the key that explains how the code marker changed the letters of the message, such as shifting such as by shifting every character three letters to the right in the alphabet mm -hmm. is an example. And finally, one then can apply the key and then transcribe the hidden message. Now, the FBI says, unfortunately, with Ricky McCormick's notes that were found in his pocket, uh, we can't get past step two. There's three major styles of code. So I could write a code that I'm going to give to you mm -hmm. that you could be able to figure out maybe if I give you a key um, or that I'm just going to give to somebody and they have to basically twist things around and kind of figure out for themselves Okay, without a key. 
And then the other one is that you would just write down stuff in code that only you would understand. Now, if that was the case in, in Ricky's code, it might be never solved because you would never know what certain things meant because it only meant something to him. Mm -hmm. Well, there's certainly no lack of theories here in this case as to what the codes could be or could mean. Right. Um, you know, when they released this to the public, it started off with, with TV stations in Missouri and Illinois, they start running with the update. And then next thing, you know, news organizations as far away as New Zealand were broadcasting this information. And then the FBI ends up getting thousands and thousands of public comments and theories pouring in from all over. This becomes a hugely popular case on the internet because of the cipher. Mm -hmm. And so let's talk about this too, because you know, we've mentioned that there are some family members that state Ricky couldn't read very well or couldn't read at all. He couldn't write very well. Right. Um, so this brings us to a popular theory. And one of those is, you know, some have suggested these notes are just simply meaningless, that they are the random random scribblings of a, a man by by some accounts was functionally illiterate. We don't have him being diagnosed with any mental illness. Mm -hmm. But again, this could be writings in a manic state or this could be uh, writings of somebody that has uh, untreated schizophrenia. Yeah. And, but the thing that I want to go back to when people suggest that these could be meaningless messages or just random scribblings, Dan Olson, Dan Olson. Yes. The, the leader of, of the unit that cracks the codes, they come out and they say, look, we believe this is real code and stating to that fact, saying that this means something, these messages mean something that they look at a lot of things, they see a lot of things and investigate them that are gibberish, that yeah. are arbitrary strikes on a keyboard. Mm -hmm. They're stating this is not the case with this. You know, they, they examine hundreds of suspected codes each year. And the first thing they do in that process is weeding out those that are nonsense from the codes that the, the Bureau needs to crack and to solve. Yeah, I think he said something like, we've seen a lot of gibberish. Yes. And this is not it. Right. But the other thing he says is that we're really good at our job. And part of me wants to say, well, obviously not good enough. Well, <laughs> you haven't solved yeah. this one. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, we, you know, even Tom Brady loses a Super Bowl every now and then. Oh, Boom. But anyway, so the, the, such douche. the, the, the CRRU states that after they weed out the ones that are gibberish, that after that process, only about 1% of the codes go unbroken. We need them to be more like Michael Jordan, which doesn't lose championships. Right. Um, but like I said, I think the first mistake they made is not going to the family members sooner. Because one, do we even have a writing sample of Ricky to know if this is his handwriting or not? Now they claim, you know, Dan Olson claims that this, they believe it was written by Ricky. Mm -hmm. Again, a guy that was not known to write things. So do we have any samples of any writings? And I think they could have got that if they would have went to the family sooner. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, they may have checked for these things at his apartment that he shared with his girlfriend. But y you just made me think about something there, Captain. Mm -hmm. And it's this. 
you could have, if, if for some reason you will, when you're looking at a piece of evidence such as this, you don't really know what you have, right? So that would make you want to keep it somewhat secret as well, because you're not sure what you're looking at and what involvement it has in the case that you're working. Right. However, you could, you don't have to show your full hand, right? Couldn't you take a portion of that code or a portion of one of the messages and, and show it to the family members? You, yeah. I mean, you don't have to say that there could have been a happy, a happy middle ground here, right? Yeah. I mean, you, you could have photocopied them uh, and take, just take a little section or rewrote the section yourself and just say, look, we found this on a piece of paper. Um, does, does it mean, mean anything? Does to this you? mean anything to you? Yeah. Or if you show the handwriting, does this mean anything to you? And the mom that says that he didn't read or write might have said, "Oh yeah, you know, Ricky wrote stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know, like he couldn't spell words, but he knew what letters were. Right. But we don't even have any knowledge if he knew really what letters were. And you're right. Maybe at least just confirming the handwriting. You know, even if you could just get a few people by visual aid, saying visually looking at it and saying. Um, I don't know why people say, or why I say visually looking at it. How else are you going to look at it? But, um, with your ears, <laughs> you know, a you, beard is on a face. You have 2020 hearing captain. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, you could at least show that to the family members or people close to him and say, can you say in your opinion, if, if this is his Ricky's handwriting or not? Now tell me if I'm wrong, but lie detectors not using court, right? Right. Handwriting analysis can be used in court. Um, yes. And I actually think that that varies by state. Okay. Because, um, I think now somebody's going to get mad at me about this. I think I spoke about this before. We're all mad at you because I was looking at handwriting analysis quite a bit when we were talking about the black Dahlia, because there were some messages that were sent to newspapers and I believe to the police as well at the time. Mm -hmm. And some have suggested that those are, are connected to the black Dahlia's case. I believe that, um, I believe that it's only accepted in certain States because I think that the, as far, as far as the law enforcement community is concerned, handwriting analysis is not an, an exact science, right? That it's more of somebody giving their quote unquote expert opinion, you know, just with the same with polygraph tests, you know, there are, there are people that are really good at, administering and reading a polygraph test. Mm -hmm. And there's other people that are poor at it, just like with any job, you know, there's good, there's, there's good people and there's bad people. Yeah. I mean, some people host a weekly true crime podcast and they knock it out of the park. And Mm -hmm. then, then there's the Colonel. (laughs) 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 I thought you were going to say you, there's LeBron James and then there's stinks curry. All right. Let's, before we get too far off track here, um, Let's continue to talk about these notes and what the FBI suspects. You had mentioned that the FBI not only suspects that this is a real code, but they suspect Ricky wrote this himself. Mm -hmm. They would further go on to explain that the messages, in their opinion, are done in more of a format of something written to oneself Mm -hmm. rather than something written to someone else. Right. Like I said before, the three different major kinds. And the FBI... When talking about this this topic in this this specific point to their opinion is that they point out that there are circles drawn around some of the segments within the code. Mm-hmm. 
And they say this could be something as simple as a uh, a to-do list, you know, where, where items are kind of marked as task that are completed. You know, once you finish something, you circle it or, you know, while you're at the grocery store, when you, when you picked up the butter, like you put on your list, you cross it out. Right. Um, the other thing that's kind of chilling in a way is that not only do they believe that Ricky McCormick wrote these notes himself, the FBI also believes that he wrote them within days of him being killed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's why I think that's why they they keep going back to this and they're stating, you know, if it doesn't say if the codes do not say who killed him or who he was may have been running from, let's say that the code could be something as simple as what he was doing at the time leading up to his death. Yeah. His whereabouts or maybe who he was seeing or what, you know, whatever he was doing. But page one is a lot different than page two. Now there's groups of letters that go with page one and page two. They, they, would make you believe they're written by the same person. The handwriting looks the same, but in page one, there's a lot of parentheses around things. And in page two, you have these big circles around sections. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can visually see them that they're different, but you can visually see they're written by the same person. And the, you're describing these as page one and page two based off of uh, what, what the FBI is classified right. as page one and page two. Now, one thing that's very curious to me and this is something simple that that I would like to know. Who your father is. Is what they're referring to as page one actually has what appears to be a, the letter P with the number one next to it or a letter I next to it at the top of the page encircled. Right. A- almost like somebody's marking this as page one. And I would love to know, you know, I hate when I hate when they release these things and then they they just tell you like uh, we believe it's a code. We believe that Ricky wrote it himself, and we believe that he wrote it within days of his death. Go for it. Try to figure it out. We're not telling you anything else. Because that P1 at the top of what is referred to as page one, was that already on the note when they got it, when right. they received it? Or did or did somewhere in the code-breaking process, did the FBI determine this is page one? This is page one. Let's get back to the cipher right after this quick beer break. The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Everyone is still talking about Monopoly Go for a good reason. It is an absolute hit. Millions of people pass Go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Like countless crazy tournaments, you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Or timed events, offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums. Delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches. Unique playing pieces and so much more. The verdict is in. With Monopoly Go, there's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now free on the App Store and Google Play. Do you want to set your child up for success? Of course you do. That's why you need to check out IXL Learning today. 
IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. There's one site for all kids in your home pre-K to 12th grade. Kids could use it at home on their computer or on an app on your phone or a tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything for you. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. I love recommending IXL learning. Kids can learn at home or on the go. And all my friends and family that are using it absolutely love it because it's so easy to set up and so easy to use. And even the kids that I've recommended it to their parents have told me, hey, Captain, thank you. I was having problems in math and my parents couldn't help me, but IXL could. Do you want to get your kids back on track or do you just want to get your kids ahead? Do so with IXL Learning. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And True Crime Garage listeners, get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com slash garage. Visit IXL.com slash garage to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Check out IXL.com slash garage today. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with factors, no prep, no mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Make your day delicious from breakfast to dessert. Stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. I am new to Factor, and I have been loving every minute of it. I have a problem, and it's called lunch. Some days I need a pack of lunch, and some days I work from home. Whether I'm at home or whether I'm on the go, Factor is fueling my lunch from now on. Head to factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 and use code truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month. That's code truecrimegarage50 at factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. All right, we're back. Cheers, me mateys. So one one of the things that I found really interesting about Ricky's case was, you know, obviously these ciphers. Mm-hmm. But when you look at these ciphers, I mean, I've looked at the Zodiac ciphers a bunch. I used to have them on my desk at work. Right. Uh, which always weird people out. 
they'd be like, what is, what are all these symbols? I had it blown up really big. Mm -hmm. And then my boss told me I had to put it away. But this reminds me a little bit like Brandon Lawson. Where when you hear the Brandon Lawson 911, you know, call, you start thinking. Well, fill people in for those that don't know. Okay. So Brandon Lawson was this guy that disappeared. He went missing in uh, Texas. Right. And he calls 911 from his cell phone. Uh, Apparently he's on the side of the road. His truck broke down. Now he's talking very fast and he's almost inaudible at times. Right. But when you hear it, you start thinking if I could slow this down or if I could go piece by piece, I could figure this out. I could figure out what he's saying and then maybe figure out what happened to this poor guy. Right. And so this code is released and, and you know, we're, diving into the case so at some point you gotta go let me look at this code and i was expecting to look at something and think i can't you know i'm i'm just a i'm just a dumb captain that sails the high seas what am i going to know about this code but you start looking at it you start finding things you don't know what they mean but you're finding them right and and then (laughs) you know i was telling you before you got here i just kept last night I, i think i would look at it for about 10 minutes and I'd pass out at my desk and then I'd wake up and go, Oh no, I can still, I can, I can solve this. Um, and I, I got nowhere closer, but it's one of those things. You're going to look at this code and, and check it out. It's going to be on the website. It's going to be on social media. Check it out. You're going to start seeing patterns, but you're going to not going to know what those mean, obviously. Well, and that's what I, that's why I think the FBI is so firm in their stance that this is sometime, some type of encrypted message because it, it's even obvious. To, I, dude, I look, I would love to be some guy that could solve codes and puzzles. I wish I, you were too. I'm not good at it. Because maybe um, you could go do that. So so I look at something <laughs> like this with no expectation that I'm going to be able to offer anything at all. But even to my eye, immediately, as you said, there's patterns within these messages right, that, but that, that, that you see that, that leads you to go, wait, I think I'm onto something here. Right. It, it, yeah, it's... It's like it's a deceptive uh, cipher. So you have like, uh, I'll just give a couple quick examples. We're not going to go through the whole notes here. But um, one thing you see from time to time is P. what appears to be P-R-S-E. Yes. The letters P-R-S-E uh, repeated in that same sequence often throughout these messages. You also see what most people refer to as W. I'm sorry, as NCBE. Right, and you see that a lot. A ton. And and actually on several occasions, you see numbers, what appear to be numbers before NCBE. So like it looks like 74 NCBE, and then mm-hmm. later 71 NCBE and 75 NCBE. Now, you and I had a, had a garage discussion, um, you know, before we turned on the mics here, and you and I both questioned if, if it it's if it's intended to be NCBE, mm-hmm. you know, you said, well, what if that's a U? And I said, well, what if it's a W? When we were both referring to the N, right? Because there's there's one portion in the in the message where it almost looks like he, he and I say he like we know that he wrote it. We don't know for certain, but it looks like he wrote WCBE, and then the lines underneath of that then appear to be NCBE. Right. Which could just be, you know, the the lazy hand or or the the slant getting getting more um 
exaggerated as the the author continued on. Well, like you said, you know, all joking aside, I mean, neither one of us believe that we're code breakers or even capable of breaking codes like this. It's just not our forte. Right. Um, but what are some theories that the internet has come up with since the release of these ciphers? Well, like I said earlier, there's no shortage of theories out there. But uh, uh, So I'll kind of start with the more popular ones. Um, we've already mentioned that one one very popular theory is that it's not a code at all. And we've already kind of talked through that. Um, then there's the theory that it is a code, but it wasn't written by Ricky. That, right. that this was written by somebody else. Which is possible because he was at the gas station. He could have just picked up something mm -hmm. that somebody else wrote. Also, he was at two hospitals. And look, if this guy has some issues mentally, which I believe there's evidence of that, um, was he even changing his clothes? Has he, has he been wearing these jeans for a long time? Mm -hmm. Could he got one of these notes from, you know, he went to two different hospitals. He could have got those notes from those hospitals. Mm -hmm. Um. Here's a theory that, that there are VIN numbers on yeah. these, in these messages that they're driving directions. Okay. The other thought is that it has to do with drug dealing, with dealing drugs, right? That these were some kind of codes to indicate who he was selling to or who he was making deliveries to and how much he was to give them, how much money he was to collect things of that nature. Yeah. A lot of people also think that this might be his own personal, like medical journal, like what medicines he was taking, what the dosage was. And those all seem to be the most popular theories that are presented uh, by people out there after seeing these codes and these messages. However, there are some that are a little more outside of the box thinking, let's say, right. Yeah. Um, and these theories are not as popular. I've seen, I've seen some crazy theories out there, Captain, and, and let's say one of them is that Ricky was killed by the um, hospital, the, the last hospital that he was at, because he saw something, that they, they are doing some kind of illegal activity there. He was a witness to it, and that he made notes about that, um, you know, inside these messages. Okay. Uh, the, uh, there's another theory that there's some kind of illegal dumping going on in the area of like uh, hazardous chemicals mm -hmm. and that he may have been witness to that. And he was keeping some kind of log about that and that these are hazardous chemicals that are polluting the, not only polluting the environment, but probably, uh, shortening people's lives, uh, that live in the area. Right. There's another theory, and I think it may have to do with the hospital as well. I, I, I got to be honest. When I got to this one, Captain, I read like the first two lines that are like, okay, I'm spending my time elsewhere. It was that I, so it was some kind of um, child molestation ring theory that uh -huh. he had some kind of information about that and, and was going to tell people or. Well, that makes a lot more sense, actually. And based off his history, I mean, I think he was 40, what, 40 some years old when he was having sex with a 14 year old and he yeah, started he was, having sex with her when well, she was 11. He was 34 when he got caught and, okay. and so he's 34. Yeah. So she he was 14 at he that was 20 time. years older than her when yeah, that was going down. That's, that's called pedophilia. Right. So I didn't think about it from that angle. Well, because he got lucky to be charged with statutory rape. And I mean, again, you don't want a victim you bash, right? Right. But the fact of the matter is that's horrible. 
Right. And and I believe, uh, I'm going to just say this, and I hope I don't get much hate mail. I I really believe that he had something going on mentally, and I feel bad for him. And that doesn't make his actions right at all. Right. But I think he was operating on a much more. Um, you think that he and the eleven-year-old girl may be operating on the same? He had probably more in common with her mentally. Okay. And, yeah. And again, I, felt I don't that know. Too. I don't know him, and there's not a lot of reports about his family members. I mean, look, this guy is buried. Mm-hmm. And I, no, no marked grave. Right. There's unmarked grave. You cannot go visit his grave. Nobody's visiting his grave. Right. And I and I do believe that he had some mental illness that wasn't diagnosed, and I don't think his family really gave a shit. Well, one thing, you know, and, and, and d- before anybody decides to type something up and send it to you or to I, we're, we're both stating it doesn't make it right. Anything that he did, what he did was wrong, okay? Right. No matter what. That, at the end of the day, that's wrong. Right. However, but one thing that's been obvious to me for most of my adult life is one thing that this country does not do very well is address mental health issues. No. We're, we're not good. We're good at a lot of things. This country's good at a lot of things, but that is not one of them. And you're you're very right. It could have been some kind of undiagnosed mental illness or issue that he had. Um, and, and therefore, I mean, who knows? Well, and here's the thing. If you have a guy that is known to do odd jobs, you know, Oh, hey, if I have this package of drugs, I can give it to you and you can go deliver it to this guy. But look, I mean, is it, is it possible that uh, some guy approaches him because he, he knows that, um, you know, Ricky's a little off? And look, somebody, you know, people write us and say, don't say he's a little off. That's, well, look, if he's not diagnosed with anything and he is a little off, I don't know what else you call it, right? Right. And, and I, like I said, I wish he would have been able to get help. I wish he would have been able to get diagnosed. I wish he was not dead, right? But the fact of the matter was he was a little off. So is it possible that some sicko knows that Ricky was with an underage woman at some point, some sicko that he meets in prison and says, hey, maybe you can help me. Mm-hmm. I could give you a little bit of money. That's not that far-fetched. I would just think that the family members or any of his friends would have mentioned this at some point. Yeah. So let's, let's toss out. I would prefer to kind of toss out the more wild theories, the, the ones that I deemed outside of the box thinking, because if we talk, if we discuss every theory that's out there regarding these messages, um, we could do a whole, a whole year of this. Okay, well, well, let's, so let's start with the popular ones, right? Captain. Yeah, so some of my issues when people talk about this is possibly driving directions. You have this uh, sequence that at some point where it's basically the same words over and over, um, but they're not really words. It's the same set of letters. And then you get the 71, 74, and the 75. Now, to me, with the driving directions, that doesn't make a lot of sense because normally you don't drive up 71 and then hit 74 and then hit 75. You know what I mean? Right. Like you do on occasion, but yeah, you, it usually doesn't follow in that. I was on 60, then I got on 61, then 62, then 63, made a left at 64, right. hopped on 65. And it seems like most of the time when there are numbers in this cipher that 
they're close in relationship. At one point, there's a 36, and then the next line, there's a 35. So that's weird. And then there's a group uh, in the second page where it's 99.84.5. Right. Two, and that could be a Z or it could be a two. So 99.89.52. So I don't know what these, I have no clue what these numbers mean, but when I think when people start saying that their directions, I just have a problem with that because the numbers don't seem to add up all the time. Now, again, there's this one section where it's 36, 74, 29, and maybe some other numbers in there that aren't legible. Maybe a 75 there or a 175. Right. So there's a couple spots where you go, well, maybe this part's directions. Again, you start wondering, well, if that's directions, this middle section, is that just directions that he could read and that's just how he wrote? You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. he doesn't know how to write a word, but he can. He kind of sounds it out and it's enough for him to remember what it is. So there's a few issues I have with it being driving directions. First of all, the obvious that the man didn't own a vehicle, nor did he have a driver's license. Right. That doesn't mean that he wouldn't have driving directions on his person. I just think it makes it much more or less likely that he would have them. Right. And second of all, um, the other thing, the, the thought that's, there's kind of two thoughts when you mention driving directions. There's also the possibility that they're not really directions directing you from point A to point B and then then on from there that they're just each line might be some type of location. Right. And it's just a list of locations. Right. Now, the issue with that and with the driving direction issue is that, you know, we're not given a lot of information from the FBI regarding this. But one thing that Dan Olson did say from the FBI said, we worked that angle. We worked that angle big time. That was something that we considered early on after receiving this these messages. And we we tried comparing things within these messages to, you know, uh, the, the state of Missouri and the surrounding states. And nothing, nothing sense, right. lined up to big work out. Time. Yeah. Nothing lined up to work that out. Yeah. So they worked that angle big time. Um well, you, you while you we are talking about numbers, maybe we should mention the the you know the VIN number, vehicle yeah. identification number. That that's one theory that's presented time and time again. The problem I have with that theory is VIN numbers are typically seventeen digits, right? Uh-huh. And and a VIN number is just that. You know, the VIN number describes it very good because when you look at a VIN number, it's mostly numbers and not letters. If it were mostly letters, they would call it VIN letters. Right. And these are mostly letters. When you look at this message, it's a a lot of letters and very few numbers. Hey, I got this great idea. We should do a whole podcast about a letter that you can't see. (laughs) This will be super entertaining for the listeners. No, but check it out. You know, yeah, I don't see it being a VIN number because most of the time there's more letters uh, or more numbers yeah. within a VIN right. than what are on these these papers. Now, okay, so medical journal. We said it could be possibly a record of medications that Ricky was taking, uh, the time and dates 
that he was taking them, the dosage. And um, I could be wrong, and our our amazing uh, nurse nurses will call me out if I'm wrong, but you know I've been on and off medication for a long time, and you normally wouldn't see like um thirty six milligrams, right? Right. Or like twenty nine <laughs> milligrams. It's a kind of weird number. They're normally like fifteen, you know, twenty. You know what I mean? Like, it seems like these would be weird numbers for dosage. Well, and the other thing, though, Captain, with even with his reported health problems, with the chest pains, with the breathing issues, even with those known health problems, it, it it's not known that he was on any prescriptions. Right. Because he didn't have much money. <clears throat> right. So. How would he be paying for these, you know, prescriptions? Well, and and if it were, if he were, he'd have to be on a lot of them for these notes to be required would be my guess. Right. Um, I mean, there's, there's, these are lengthy messages is what I mean by that. Yeah. Now drugs. So going from, uh, uh, legal drugs to illegal drugs, the thought that these have something to do with his drug runs or with dealing drugs. Mm-hmm. the The problem I have with that is the numbers. Okay. The numbers that are listed on these messages don't make any sense to me in that manner. Right. But they don't have to make sense to you. They have to make sense to him. That's true. And what's interesting here is one of the best movies of all time. Rocky one. Okay. I thought you were going to say a beautiful mind because we're on this code breaking thing. That's why in the beer description, I said the beautiful minds over at the Dayton beer company. Um, no, that's a great movie too. But in Rocky one, he is a debt collector Mm -hmm. and he, you know, he got to break their thumbs, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, just do what I'm telling you rock. But what did he do? Guy couldn't read or write really. And he took down notes. Yeah. Every time that his, boss told him to go collect from somebody and so uh when you see something like that and you know i mean look i know it's a fictitious character but is it very possible that that ricky would write down little messages for himself to remember Mm -hmm. uh, on these runs i don't think that's unlikely i think that's a good plausible thing but i also think if he's writing down these notes for him to remember that we're never going to solve this these were just things that were in his head that made sense to, to him. Now, the big one, which you see all the time, is that NCBE. Right. So a lot of people that think that means no cash being exchanged, meaning I'm going to drop these drugs off and this guy doesn't need to pay me. It's simply a delivery. It's not a sell. It's you know I'm not showing up and selling you the drugs. I'm just giving them to you. Which does make some sense because it's at the end of each you know it's normally found at the end of of the sentence if you want to call it a sentence ah yeah that's that's clever because then it could be a description of what he's supposed to give to them followed by no cash being exchanged yeah yeah so you're not going to have to make change for anything you're not to accept or to you're not to expect cash from whoever this is yeah uh that way things don't get tricky so I mentioned outside of the box thinking, Captain, this is the time in the garage show where I give you my weird brain on a platter and you go and everybody can laugh at me. All oh, right? Clarice. Yeah. So 
Here, I just want to go through my thoughts as we're wrapping this up. Hey, okay. no, you have good thoughts. You're an intelligent guy. All right. Well, you should say that after you hear this. Okay, but I did. You know, I, I sometimes pick on you, and I think sometimes people think that you know I don't appreciate your thoughts. I, I sit here and listen to you every week. I think that, you're a smart guy. That's true. And at one time, you were the only one sitting here listening to me every week. Still the only <laughs> person. I'm still the only one here with us. So here, here's what my thoughts are. Mm. Um. And I want to kind of go back to the beginning. So was oh god was was Ricky murdered? Is a big major question here. Yeah, I see. I see detectives spending a good deal of time treating this like a homicide. I see detectives telling the medical examiner we suspect foul play here. I'm going to go off of their expert opinion and just agree with them to make this nice and easy here. Okay. Okay. I think that there was something that they know or something that indicated to them that this was a murder. So I'm going to just agree with them on that. Now, as far as the code, is this a real code or not? Does it mean something? Again, I'm going to go to the experts. We have the FBI stating this is a code. This means something. We don't know how valuable it is to the case or not, but if we could crack this, we could either rule it out or rule it in. So I'm again going to def- to defer to the experts, to people that are smarter than I in this specific area. Uh-huh. All right. So I think he was murdered. I think this was a code. I don't know that it necessarily has anything to do with his murder, or maybe that it could even help solve the case. Right. And so you're going to go against the experts on that one. Um. Well, it, here's the thing. They may just be saying we think it could solve the case if it could tell us the last place he was. Right. That could point us in t- to a suspect that we would need evidence otherwise to convict the person, obviously. You, you yeah, can't but, hold these notes up in court and go, uh, see? 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 NCBE. OJ so, Simpson did it. It's right there. NCBE. So, it, and here's my thought, though. And as far as did Ricky write this code, I think he did. I think he did, and and I'm not just going to defer to the experts on this one, and this is where my suspicion lies, okay? I, I heard his family and what they have to say, and I believe them. Maybe to their knowledge, he didn't read or write very well, or maybe not at all. Right. But here's one thing that, that I kind of, kind of went back to several times at, when looking at this case, and I've heard several old old i've heard i've heard several older inmates in prisons say this to incoming inmates do they whisper in your ear um no then no one said this specifically to me okay i've heard this is passed on okay the secondhand knowledge is what they say (laughs) so um i've heard that sometimes the older inmates tell the incoming inmates you know do you read or write well if you don't you're going to do some hard time because reading and writing is a way of passing the time, making the time go faster for you. Something constructive you can do as you wait to serve your sentence. Cause that's really all you're doing in a prison sentence is you're just waiting it out. So I wonder, we know Ricky was in prison for 13 months. Right. I, and, and, and think about prison. The, one of the worst parts of being sentenced and punished in that manner is that you have little to none privacy. Little to no privacy at all. That's one of the biggest parts of that punishment. And I think that possibly, whether he could read or write or, or none of the above, 
that I think that maybe at some point he develops some kind of system, something that he could, he could write, whether it was jotting down notes, whether it was keeping some kind of personal daily journal, lots of inmates will write down personal daily activities to give themselves something to write. And they'll write things that are so monotonous things that are like today had fish sticks for lunch with applesauce and the broccoli was terrible. And I took a walk for an hour in the yard and then I read a book, then Uh received letters. Then for dinner, I had this, this, and this, you know, just really boring stuff that they're keeping track of. And I wonder, I wonder if maybe he developed some kind of system either to pass the time or if he coded his little journal to himself to have some form of privacy so that he could keep these thoughts and keep these records of things without other people being able to read them and invade his privacy more. And I'm wondering that it, let's say he did use some type of kind of code like that. Right. He could have used this for running drugs or for just daily activities. Once he got out of prison, that could be a combination of both. The other thing that I wonder too, is that that we have the FBI stating that we think he wrote this within days of him being killed. And I, part of me wonders, I go back to cookie saying, you know, I heard from people that, yeah, he, he checked into the hospital at five. They checked him out at five fifty, less than an hour later. But I heard from people. He stayed in the hospital all night long in the waiting room. I wonder if he was jotting, writing these things down there, you know, that would give him ample time to sit down. Have you ever tried to sleep in one of those hospital waiting rooms? You're not getting no sleep. So I wonder if, if that's what it is now. And I want to point out another code that I think could help understand my reasoning here. Okay. And I'll read it to you best I can. It's, it's scribbled on my page here. E-B-C-M-W, no, spelled N-O, L-T-O, PEP, spelled P-E-P. Then we have the next line, which is M-Works, spelled W-O-R-K-S, M-W-F-F, plus symbol, S-S-I-T-M-L-T-20, the number two zero twenty. Mm-hmm. One slash two, this is, the, I'm sorry, this is the next line. One slash two, Third, spelled 3RD, dash add, A-D-D, C-H-I-X-H, the number two, and the letter O. Mm-hmm. Okay, that is a code. That's, that's a code that I wanted to point out here. What is that code? That, I just read to you, my code that I came up with myself many years ago when I used to, when I used to bartend and wait tables. I had chicken scratch. I came up with my own code for when you, when you would read off your order, what you wanted to me, that I would write it down that fast because I knew that one thing that I learned very on that my income was based off of how friendly, accurate, and fast I was. So if I could make myself faster and more accurate and not get your stuff wrong, then I would more likely get a bigger tip from you. Mm-hmm. So what that is, is you just, hoar- you just heard a party of three and one person ordered a six ounce bacon and cheddar burger, medium well, minus lettuce, tomato, onion with French fries and a Pepsi to drink. The next person ordered a 10 ounce works burger, medium well with everything French fries plus a side salad with Italian dressing, a breadstick and a Miller Lite 20 ounce draft. And the final person ordered a half a salad with third street dressing and grilled chicken and a breadstick with water to drink. 
Mm. I'm so hungry now. yeah, this sounds delicious. Anyway, especially that Miller Lite twenty ounce draft. But what I'm getting at is that <laughs> the key the key to solving this code could be in Ricky's brain. It could be in his mind, and without him, these will never be solved. It'd never mean anything to anybody. Like my my little code there that I came up with. Yeah. would make sense to zero. Even the people that worked at that restaurant, they might be able to pick out some things, but not all. And what what I mean by that, referencing the letter C, okay? In my little code, I use the letter C for multiple things. Sometimes it's to tell me if cheddar is on a burger or if somebody ordered a chicken sandwich. Mm-hmm. I'll use the C for both, but depending on where it appears and what order, I know when I look at the page if it means cheese or chicken right so uh, so like you said i mean he wrote so he was murdered he wrote this it could just be a journal it could have been directions it could have been multiple things yeah but all the codes are in ricky's head so you're not going to probably get the answers Right. And I hope that I'm wrong. I hope that somebody comes out with something because the FBI says, you know, we released this to the public hoping. I I think that not only that somebody could solve it, obviously, but maybe somebody could come forward with some type of information that would help them to solve it. Right. Meaning, you know, they were stating if we had a third page here, we think we could solve this. We just don't have enough to look at or nothing to compare it to to double check our work. Let's well, right, see. and that's the big problem with them not going to the family sooner. They might there have been go. able to get something. There, You were right about that, Captain. So, yeah, my thought is, you know, he was in the hospital. Was was he in pain? Uh, he had all these illnesses, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he had severe mental illness, um, which was di- wasn't diagnosed, or if it was at some point, you know, it happens a lot. They can't afford their medicine. If they can't afford their medicine, then they can't get their their brain straight. Um, and we, and that's a horrible issue in this country. I don't know if he was murdered. You know, we have this individual that walked, would take um, public transportation, but also would, would hitch rides from people. Is it possible that he was at the gas station and hitched a ride for somebody and then he started walking and on a hot day mm-hmm. he was dehydrated? Yeah, it was a bad ticker. Mm-hmm. They, and look, the autopsy doesn't make any sense at all. No. So I can't trust that at all. And we don't even know what the cause of death is. Now, if the FBI did come out and say, hey, well, look, he was shot. We know that. Okay. Well, then... Look at the people that ran the gas station. Look at people that he ran drugs for. Right. And those are your suspects. But I don't know if there's even evidence that he's that he was murdered. And the sad thing about it is, like I said, he's he's in an unmarked grave. Yeah, there is no headstone that identifies Ricky McCormick's final resting place. Uh, he is buried at Laurel Hill Memorial Gardens. And if it were not for an entry in the cemetery's logbook, no one would ever know that he was buried there. And like I said, I, I do believe he was dealing with mental illness and when when his friends and, and people that actually did like Ricky say, well, sometimes he talked like he was from another world. Well, 
anybody that has dealt with mental illness knows that there's times in your um, illness that you might feel like you're in a different world and you might be talking as if you might be writing as if so maybe he wrote these um, it's more likely to me that he did write these but I think it's on some level it's um, it's almost like coherent gibberish and like yes maybe if he wrote these these mean something to him um, that nobody ever is ever going to figure out and it, so it's just weird because there's you know, I, we wouldn't be talking about this case. Um, you know, some mentally ill guy um, with a checkered pass is found dead mm-hmm. on the side of the road. No evidence of being murdered. We wouldn't be talking about it if it wasn't for these ciphers, but I don't know if these ciphers are going to get us any closer to the truth. Well, what we would like for everybody to do out there, as the captain said, we will post both of the notes and messages, ciphers, codes, whatever you want to call them, on our website at truecrimegarage.com. We want to know, take a look at them. We want to know what you think. Uh, What's your theories? What are your thoughts? Uh, If you see anything within these messages, let us know. Please post that on our blog at truecrimegarage.com. Hey, Colonel. Yo. You feeling fommy? I'm feeling fommy, my friend. Hey, good news. We got <laughs> we got we got feeling fommy t-shirts that are available on the website, so check those out. I just printed a limited number, so once they're gone, I'm probably not going to order them again, but uh check those out. Feeling fommy. I'll get your t-shirt today. Until next time, thanks for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. Be good, be kind, and don't litter. You ever meet someone who seems kind of off? Whether it's a creepy neighbor or random phone number that keeps calling you, Truthfinder has you covered. You can search for people by name, address, phone number, email, and more. Truthfinder can be especially helpful for running confidential background checks on anyone you're planning to meet from online dating apps. Go to truthfinder.com slash podcasts for a special offer. That's truthfinder.com slash podcasts to access your special offer today.